Good morning, everyone. This morning's Bible reading is, I think, the shortest I can ever remember us having in a service at St John's. But it's one of those readings that really packs a punch. It's uh, Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 16, if you'd like to look it up. And I will read it now, as I say, Mark 10, 13 to 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his hands, in his arms, I'm sorry, placed his hands on them and bless them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Before we look at that, let's pray. Father, please help us to know Jesus better so that we would see more clearly how we should come to you and serve you. Amen. The incident that is recorded in that reading I've just read is well known. And I suspect that a number of you will think that you probably know what I'm about to say about it. And in some respects, you may be right. But it's always worth lingering over passages that we think are familiar to us. There's two reasons for that. First of all, we may have missed something. But second, there is a danger with familiar passages that the points we have previously learned are pushed so far to the back of our minds that in practice we ignore them. So let's look at what happened in this incident. We're told that people were bringing children to Jesus. Mark calls them little children. Luke, in his account of this incident, calls them uh, infants. In our terms, they were probably preschool children. We're not told why the people were bringing them to Jesus. Oh, yes, they wanted him to place his hands on them, but we're not told what benefit they thought that would confer on the children. Uh, indeed, they may not have known, but it doesn't matter. What matters is that the people realised that Jesus could benefit their children, and so they were bringing them to him. However, the disciples tried to prevent that. We hear that they rebuked the people. They told them off, told them to stop it. Again, we don't know precisely why they did that. It may have been simply a matter of good order. We know that the crowds were very large and sometimes even slightly threatening. We're told that on occasions Jesus could have been crushed. So it might have been that. But judging from Jesus's reaction, it was a bit more than that. It appears likely that they were trying to protect Jesus, trying to make sure he had time for things that, in their mind at least, were more important than having children come to him. In short, at one level at least, their motives might have been good. But as we heard, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. The word used and translated indignant is a very strong one. Jesus was outraged and he made his anger known to the uh, uh, disciples. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, 
<clears throat> for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The disciples had got it badly wrong. It's worth pausing at that point and noting the number of times that the disciples did get things badly wrong. Over the last five weeks, we have covered a mere one and a half chapters of Mark's gospel. And in those one and a half chapters, Mark has recorded no less than six instances of the disciples getting things badly wrong. First of all, when Jesus spoke about his death for the first time, Peter took him aside and rebuked him. And in return, Jesus delivered a stinging rebuke to Peter. Then shortly after that, Jesus rebuked nine of the disciples who'd exhibited self-reliance, not faith, and as a result had failed to drive a demon out of a boy. Then Jesus spoke about his death for a second time, and the disciples still didn't understand. But, but worse, they weren't honest enough to admit that to Jesus. Worse still, instead of admitting it, they argued amongst themselves about who was the greatest in the kingdom of God. And Jesus sat them down and had to give them a lecture about that. Then they discovered that some other people, people who weren't apostles, were healing people in the name of Jesus. And they sought to stop them. And Jesus had to tell them that they shouldn't stop people who were healing in his, his name just because they weren't members of the apostles. And then finally, here we see them trying to stop children coming to Jesus. Six times they got things badly wrong. In fact, Luke tells us of a seventh occasion. He tells us that when a village uh, rejected Jesus, James and John wanted to bring down instant judgment on that village. And of course, Jesus said, no, they mustn't do that. He rebuked them again. Now, the apostles were with Jesus day after day. They saw what he was doing. They heard firsthand what he was teaching. And yet they got it badly wrong. And if they could get things badly wrong in those circumstances, then so can we. And we need to learn from their example, or rather, we need to learn to avoid their example. You see, Mark records their errors as a warning to us, and we need to heed that warning. The basic problem of the apostles was that although Peter had identified Jesus as the Messiah, none of them really understood what being the Messiah meant. In their minds, if Jesus was the Messiah, then he was a grand, triumphant king come to inaugurate his kingdom. And of course, <clears throat> the only type of kingdom that they had, the only model they had, was earthly kingdoms. And that was not the kind of kingdom that Jesus had come to inaugurate. When Jesus rebuked Peter concerning his death, he said to Peter, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. That issue lay at the heart of all of the errors that the apostles committed. You see, 
Jesus was not, is not, a grand, distant king. Jesus came to earth in order to reach out to all people, including people of little or no account in the eyes of the world. As Paul put it in his letter to the Philippians, Jesus made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant and humbled himself even to death on a cross. Let's go back to our reading, to the incident that we've heard about. Do you think that if the apostles had really understood that point, they would have prevented people bringing children to Jesus? If they had really understood the nature of Jesus's messiahship, the nature of his kingship, would they have stopped children coming to Jesus? I don't think so. The apostles, you see, believed that Jesus would treat adults as more important than children. And they were wrong. Jesus not only didn't mind children coming to him, he wanted them to come to him. And as a result, we read in verse 16 that he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. He did what the people wanted him to do. I'd suggest there are two things that we should take away from this. One specific, one general. The specific thing is, I hope, obvious. We need to seek to bring our children to Jesus. Jesus wants them to be brought to him. That's one of the reasons why it's a goal of our church to grow the next generation. Jesus wants children to come to him. Now, I know the practicalities of that are complex, and I'm not saying that we should treat children in exactly the same way as adults. Jesus didn't. I'm not saying we should allow children to dominate. Oh, and I'm not talking this morning about infant baptism and how this passage impacts upon infant baptism. That's a subject for another occasion. But what I am saying is we need to ensure that we proactively seek to bring children to Jesus. And incidentally, in doing that, we need to recognise that children, even young children, have the ability to put their trust in Jesus, to put their faith in him. That's the specific point. The general point is this. We need to be careful to make sure that we don't fall into the very same trap the apostles fell into, but simply in a different context. Jesus came to earth to reach out to all people, including people not held in high esteem in the world. Think about what we've read in Mark's Gospel, both in this sermon series and in an earlier one on Mark's Gospel. Who did Jesus reach out to? He reached out to people who were demon-possessed, whose behaviour was profoundly disturbing. He reached out to those with leprosy and other diseases. He reached out to people who collected taxes on behalf of the hated Roman occupying authorities and were themselves hated on account of that. He reached out to prostitutes. I could go on. Jesus reached out to all 
people, regardless of status. And we may need to make sure that we don't hinder people from coming to Jesus. Indeed, we need to proactively reach out to them, regardless of their status. And in doing that, it's worth remembering something that Jesus said on a number of separate occasions. Do you recall? He said that in his kingdom, some who are now last will be first, and some who are first will be last. In short, using what Jesus said to Peter, we need to make sure that we have in mind the concerns of God and not mere human concerns. Now, some of you may have noticed that so far in this sermon, I haven't addressed most of what Jesus said in response to what his disciples were doing. If you go back to verse 14, you'll see that. Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. As he did very often, Jesus used the incident as the platform on which to deliver some important teaching. In fact, he taught that very same thing privately to his disciples on a previous occasion. Take a look in Matthew 18 verse 3 if you want to see that afterwards. As many, perhaps all teachers, will tell you, you sometimes have to make a point more than once before it sinks in. And that was certainly true of Jesus's ministry, certainly true of his teaching of the apostles. But what did he mean by what he said? For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The kingdom of God belongs to people like little children. I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. If we are not like little children, then we will not be among God's people. What was it about children that Jesus was telling us we must imitate, telling us that it's imperative we imitate? Now, a number of people think that it's some kind of character trait of little children that we need to try to assume. I could give many examples of that, but I will give an example from a Victorian commentator on Mark's Gospel. He said this. He said that we're called to emulate children's unworldliness and indifference to earthly treasures, their comparative humility, harmlessness and freedom from deceit. Well, all I can say about that is if Victorian children were really like that, then they were very different from the kind of children that I know. That's fanciful. That can't be what Jesus was meaning. In fact, there's a more fundamental reason why it can't be what Jesus was meaning. Because you see, if, if he was saying that, what he would be saying is that before we can come to him, we need to change ourselves. He'd be saying that we need to make sure that we are indifferent to earthly treasures, that we're harmless, that we're free from deceit before we can come to him. And that would contradict what he said on any number of other occasions. 
No, that's not what he was saying. We need to think again. Think again about little children. They don't have any status in the world, do they? They're not great in the world and they know it. Oh yes, of course they play mothers and fathers, kings and queens, but they know it's play. They know they have no status. Furthermore, little children are utterly dependent on others for life. And again, they know it. Or at least once they've got past the terrible twos, they know it. What Jesus is saying is we need to be like that. We need to recognise that we have no status before God. We need to recognise that we are utterly dependent on God for life, both physical life and spiritual life. We need to give up all pretense of status, of self-sufficiency, and come empty-handed before God. Did you notice that Jesus talked about receiving the kingdom of God? We can't earn the kingdom of God. We can't merit the kingdom of God. All we can do is receive it as a gift. Imagine for a moment that Jesus were to come into the room where I am now and I were to say to him something like this. Oh, hello, I'm Richard. Uh, I'm a city lawyer and I'm a member of the Leaders' Council of St John's Church and I've been preaching in your church for over 30 years. What do you think he'd say? Are you like a little child? And if I really did say something like that to him, it would be pretty apparent that I wasn't, wouldn't it? And by the way, we mustn't go for some kind of inverted status. Oh, hello, I have absolutely no standing in the world. I'm one of the poor you talked about. The question's the same. Are you coming like a little child? You see, if we seek to rely on our status in the world or our lack of it, on our riches or a lack of them, on our work or our achievements or our lack of them, then we will never enter the kingdom of God. But if, on the other hand, we come to cheat Jesus as little children, recognising that we have no status before God, recognising we can bring nothing, that we are utterly dependent on God for life, physical and spiritual, then we will receive the kingdom of God as a gift. A few minutes ago, I talked about the manifold failings of the apostles and their failings were many, but they came to Jesus as little children. They recognised that they had no status. They recognised they were dependent upon him. And for all their failings, Jesus accepted them. Indeed, he did more than that. He promised them coming blessings. But that is for next time. That's for next week. For this week, I would suggest we simply remember two key points. First, let's remember what kind of Messiah Jesus is 
what kind of king he is. The king who came to earth as a servant to reach out to people. And let's remember, therefore, that we should be seeking to bring people of all kinds to him, including those who have no status in the world, and in particular, including children. And then secondly, let's remember that unless we come as little children, we will not even enter the kingdom of God. We can bring nothing with us. In each case, status is completely irrelevant. Amen.